Hello there. Uh, this is Faith, and welcome to my publication, Princess and the Pea. Today's essay uh, was inspired by an event that happened on Saturday night just a few days ago. Um, and it's also influenced by some things that I've read on different forums, um, just doing searches about dance culture. But even though this might seem like it's something that happens or can happen at a dance, I think it speaks to the larger cultural assumptions that we have going on that I'd like to address. So um, I will stop sometimes to tell you about the imagery that I've included within, and this is for the people who are solely listening to the audio right now. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Men, stop doing this already. Cluelessness is not a defense. The image here I have, uh, the photo that I chose, it's a silhouette of a woman. She is in a dark tunnel and she's walking away, or we are approaching towards her, depends on your viewpoint. Uh, it's black and white. And um, yeah, that's the image I chose here for this piece. Again, the title, men stop doing this already. Cluelessness is not a defense. I went dancing on Saturday night, dressing up due to it being Halloween and all. I had three choices, all costumes I put together in 2019 before the world changed. Nothing too original in these fits. The cowgirl, blue checked shirt and red scarf with jean miniskirt and red fishnet stockings. Yes, that kind of costume. A store-bought 1920s flapper dress and my favorite, a 1950s navy swing dress with red accents I bought online for a dance friend's birthday party that year. When I remembered my daughter took my cowgirl shirt and red scarf with her to college, my decision was easy, the swing dress. Thankfully, I still fit in it. These past few years of getting older, going through a pandemic, finishing school and launching a practice have been, let's say, a challenge. Here's a picture as I work on my unsmiling mirror selfie that is all the rage with the kids today. So here I include a selfie. Um, it's me in my navy swing dress with red tights and you see a little bit of my red necklace and uh, the background's my living room. Basically, I'm in the entry of my house. Um, and yeah, you can see a little of my living room. Um, all right, continuing. Before. As far as I knew, none of my friends were going to be there due to a special out-of-town dance event that I couldn't attend since my teen was with me and who needed me to pick her up from a party at 11. So I got out my dance shoes, struggled to zip myself into my vintage dress, and headed out for a night of Latin dance, a style I'm somewhat new to. I do a decent cha-cha, however. First up, Kazamba lesson. I was thankfully partnered with one of the teachers from last week's salsa lesson. She's got rhythm and technique, and so I was able to grasp the basic moves. It was fun. While I noticed a couple of other leads from the previous week's dance, many of the people there were unknown to me. Although I soon spotted, dressed up in their own 50s dance attire, a couple I knew, acquaintances I hadn't seen in a year. Next up, I danced with a few leads from the previous week chatted with the couple as we sat at a table together, and then remembered I hadn't had dinner when the DJ announced the snack table. Snacks? Yes, please. At the snack table. 
On the other side of the hall was a large spread of fun-themed food. I nibbled on the witch's hat-shaped pita bread and admired the adorable and spooky one-eyed Oreos. Then I turned and watched the dancers on the dance floor. Suddenly, I felt someone swoop up close behind me and quickly wrap his arms around my waist. They were strong arms that enveloped my body and held onto me tightly. I didn't know who it was and couldn't see him as he was holding me from behind, but it was definitely a man. I pushed against him, trying to turn around to see, but he wouldn't let me. I didn't have a clue who this was, this man holding on to me, a man with the nerve to grab me like this. I couldn't imagine who it could have been since I didn't know anyone there except the acquaintances and I'd just seen them dancing on the dance floor. I felt myself go into a quiet place inside as I tried to figure out what was happening to me. I stopped pushing against him and became still. I knew there were many people around me dancing just a few feet away. My mind knew I was okay, but my body didn't. Who was holding me so tightly? And why didn't he let go and let me turn around? Why was he still holding on to me? I began to struggle against him again. It became this strange push and pull as my body resisted him and he responded by holding me tighter until we were rocking. I sensed amusement. Maybe he chuckled and it partly felt like a game but it was a game I hadn't been invited to. I didn't even know who I was supposed to be playing with. And it went on for what felt like a long time. Who the fuck is this? Finally, I pulled away forcefully enough and he let me go. I looked at him and I was still confused. He was wearing a creepy mask, although his shirt looked familiar. The mask was made with clear plastic and distorted his face on one side. He pulled it off laughing. I knew him. Yes, I did. I was surprised he was there since I thought he would have been at the out of town event. It was a man I've known since 2019 who I'll call Wyatt here. He's a friendly acquaintance, someone I dance with on occasion, but not a friend, not someone I want grabbing me out of the blue. Please note, I don't want anyone grabbing me out of the blue. But after this moment, a moment of uncertainty, some fear, as well as anger at being touched by a strange man, I felt relief. I was glad it was Wyatt because I like him and that it wasn't some strange man. But still, I was uneasy, shaken up by the anonymous struggle that was a game for him and upsetting for me. I didn't challenge him though. Instead, I started a conversation with him since I now had someone I knew in this dance hall full of strangers. We shared a jalapeno popper with ghostly eyes on it, two bites for him, one for me, alternating. I don't share food bites with people post-pandemic, so I surprised myself with this somewhat intimate action. After sitting at the table later, I found myself suddenly tired. I no longer felt like dancing. I watched my acquaintances change their shoes and get up to leave. 
After sharing the poppers and dancing bachata together, Wyatt had gotten caught up with another person, and I was asked to dance by someone else, and we never reconnected the rest of the night, although he did come near my table at some point to chat with others. And still, the moment in his arms when I didn't know it was him as he squeezed me, stayed with me. Wyatt probably didn't mean anything by it, as he's playfully teased me before in other more familiar spaces. One time he grabbed my arm while I danced with a mutual friend, a woman, who told me in response to my visible irritation at his disruption in our dance, he's just being like the boys on the playground, tugging on your pigtails. But this wasn't just a teasing tap on my shoulder or a brief tug on my arm, as annoying as that was. This was a full body hug around my waist in which he made it hard for me to let to get out. Why did he think he could hold me like that? Why did he think he could touch my body without checking with me first? Why did he think it was okay for me to struggle, not knowing who he was? What kind of enjoyment did he get out of holding me? What kind of game was this anyway? I didn't have a choice in the matter, whatever game he had in mind. And after pondering this for a while, the thoughts turned inwards to me. As in, why didn't I say something? Why did I stay silent? Why didn't I say, get your hands off me, or who is this? And then, why did I share food with him afterwards, then dance with him? Why was I relieved? Why was I acting like everything was okay? The answer still haunts me. It seems that somewhere inside, I still think I can't speak up about what's okay with me and what's not. Something inside still holds me mute, grabbing my tongue that I feel I cannot protest when some strange guy is holding my body. Somehow, I'm supposed to play along because it's a party, and he can't hurt me, and besides, there's lots of witnesses. And yet bystanders are not known for stepping in when needed. And after all, I'm at a dance, and it's all just fun and games, right? And I proved it didn't matter since I ate and danced with him soon after his prank. It's a joke, all in good fun, right? But my body doesn't know that. My body has been hurt by men before. Strangers and known men alike have done what they wanted to me. And I have had to be quiet. Apparently, I am still quiet and go into a deep inner space when faced with male dominance, even if it's playful. Dr. Gabor Mate says it all goes back to your childhood. I remember as a teen escaping to my bedroom whenever my father got home from work, because if I was in the family room, he would kiss me without checking in with me first. Just plunk a kiss on me whether I wanted it or not. He would come into the house and I'd be sitting on the sofa watching TV and he'd kiss me after kissing my mother. He never once looked at me to see if a kiss was welcome. He kissed me as if it was something he owned. No, he kissed me as if I was something he owned, or I owed him the kiss. So I started going up to my room when I heard the garage door open, leaving a show I might have been enjoying. It was easier than rejecting my father, as I didn't feel free to express my boundaries growing up. So I was safer in my room. He wouldn't come in here, and by the time he was settled in, he would have forgotten. He didn't get his kiss, and I could just, you know, say hello from across the room when I emerged at dinner time. 
So did the silence start with him, with the implicit education that I had no say in what a man wants from me? Did I learn from my father how to disregard my bodily autonomy? Well, before all the don't blame your parents defenders rise up, how do we learn to set boundaries with others in the first place? We learn it in our families. If your father consistently tells you with his actions, like a forced kiss that you can't say no, that he can touch you if he wants to, even for an innocent kiss, will you learn very quickly that you don't have a say about what happens to your own body? You don't have a say and you don't question it, even if it makes you so uneasy that you disappear into your bedroom just to avoid the awkwardness. And then, you're a grown woman wondering why you pick men who don't like you when you set boundaries and accept men who touch you without your knowledge and consent. These scenarios continue to happen, even though you're a therapist, you understand about human behavior, and have worked hard on your own recovery and speaking up for yourself. Still, life has something to say. Life's little test. Life says, well, here you are, saying you want to set boundaries, and you still can't speak when a man surprises and touches you. You are still falling into the fawn response. Here was a chance to say, don't do that or assert some other boundary, but it looks like you still have work to do. To which I respond to life, phooey. It's not my fault some guy doesn't know about consent, how he thinks he can touch a woman's body just because he wants to surprise her. It's not my fault he is just another clueless male who thinks he's entitled to play with a woman's body and doesn't know the stats or care about how he affects another person. The woman is not responsible for educating men on appropriate behavior. Yes, it's very likely Wyatt thought he was being playful. Maybe he is so used to women falling at his feet because of his charisma and overall cuteness, or maybe he has a crush on me and can't control himself although men should control themselves, just saying. I don't know. What I do know is that it shook me up, and I'm still thinking about it days later. Whose fault is that? One more selfie. Okay, this is my last picture, and it's me sitting in a chair, and I'm in my navy Lindy Hop dress, I'm sitting cross-legged and I'm looking straight at the camera. The caption is, so this body here, who does it belong to? It's my body, right? I get to decide who touches it, right? I get to have a say because it's my body, right? Right? Sure. Flirt with me, tease me, even hit on me, but please be aware of how your surprise may come across or even frighten. You don't know a woman's history with men. Even so, check on your assumption that you are entitled to touch a woman's body without her consent. You're not. I would like to live in a world where a man can be playfully flirtatious with me, but I want him to check in with me first through a smile, a wink, a hello, through announcing his presence so I know it's him. I want him to see me and my response before he considers if it might be okay to put his arms around my waist and hold me tight. I would like a world where it matters what I think and how I feel. Don't you?
I would like to just comment here on the few footnotes that I have. I have six of them for the people who are just listening right now instead of having the essay right in front to read. So my first footnote was basically commenting that, you know, I changed the guy's name, you know, for his privacy. So I'm protecting the not so innocent. That's my first footnote. The second footnote was about the bystander effect. This is a social psychology concept. And I'm quoting here um, from, let's see, uh, very well mined. So I got this on the internet and this is the quote. The bystander effect is the phenomenon in which the greater the number of people present, the less likely people are to help a person in distress. So even though I was in a dance hall with like maybe a hundred people there, the likelihood of someone helping me if I was in trouble is actually quite small due to the bystander effect. Um, my third footnote is a reference to Dr. Gabor Matei. He uh, recently did an interview, this really terrific one uh, done by Dahlia Kurtz. And this was done on October 5th, 2022. Uh, so just very recent. Um, and yeah, he talks about how our behavior in our adulthood, our challenges can stem right back to uh, how we were raised in our childhood. Uh, the fourth footnote is talking about the fawn response. So this is considered a trauma response. Uh, we can also call it people pleasing or going along to get along. Women in particular are socialized to behave this way instead of accessing their appropriate anger, which we've learned to suppress. So again, referencing Ms. Kurtz's interview, Dr. Mate uh, addresses the way women learn how to push down their anger in childhood. Um, my fifth footnote is a statistic that I reference in the essay, and it's this statistic. This is by Rain, um, and the statistic is this. One in six women have experienced rape or attempted rape and therefore carry around trauma with regards to their bodily autonomy. So whether you're on the train or on a subway or, you know, you're in a public place reading or listening to this um, or at home and remembering how many people, you know, you see in a day, look around. One in six women have experienced sexual violence. So this is not a small number, and that's why you know, it's really important that we talk about these things. And the final uh, footnote, and this is in reference to kind of my conclusion, where I'm talking about the male assumption that they are entitled to touch a woman's body. And then I write back, you're not. Um, my final footnote is this should not be news in 2022. So I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, this piece. And um, yeah, thanks for, for coming by and listening to my publication, Princess in the Pea. I hope you have a lovely day.